Oh. Yeah, and, and it alerts you too when it doesn't. <laughs> Interesting, right? Now recording. <laughs> yes, yes, we are now recording. Burp, burp, burp. A little intimidating, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's a bear with a microphone. <laughs> so this week, our uh, recording is going to be a little different as um, our boy Brian here is in a couple weeks of transition, I believe, between um, college time in Vegas and being back in Boise. Yeah, it's just it's just a back in Boise spring break. So I'm on my laptop. Cool, cool. Oh, have you, uh, speaking of Vegas and everything else, you know, have you had a chance to play Commander or anything while you're down there? Uh, I've played a couple pickup games, you know. Um, I it's probably, like, it's, it's been okay, you know. Um, most people, I would say, default to around the level that our league sees with the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure... But uh, it's it's been okay, you know. There's, I feel a lot of there was a lot of variety in the uh, different uh, kinds of groups I saw there. There were definitely some people who I think were more along the lines of building flavorful decks, and then didn't understand out of ten what kind of number their deck was, and that resulted in a bad game for. Us. At, at least someone, right? Yeah. Well, so, I, mean, I don't. I don't like. I don't like just beating up on people with bad decks, you know. Yeah, that's that's good. Because the reason I'm asking is because you're playing with people that you've never played with before, and that's where something like our topic for today or our continuation is so important. Rule oh, zero: point. the yeah. pregame talk. Like, what kind of conversations did y'all try to have before the game, or did you? Or... Well, I always do the power level talk, like, hey, uh, what kind of power level decks are we doing? And usually, if they give, like, a soft answer, like, oh, I don't know. Uh, you know, what's what, what would be, like, a 10 or something? I'm like, all right, well, what turn do you think your deck wins on? How does your deck want to win? Not not how does it want to win, like, tell me your deck's combo, but, like, a generalistic goal. Like the um, infinite. Yeah, are you are you going infinite? If you are, like, is it uh, super fast? Um, are you going? Yeah, are you playing stacks? If that's the case, um, I'm going to be playing Warhammer today. Uh, <laughs> Oof. Yeah. <laughs> uh, questions like that, uh, and then you know, I not gonna lie, I'm a little. A little awkward around new people in a new city, you know, so maybe I could have had a bit of a longer pregame discussion. Right on. But yeah, that's that's my I think that's the my go to is what power level are your decks and then if not kind of explaining my reasoning like how quickly does your deck wanna win, how much have you worked with your deck and what is its goal in the game? Is your deck's goal to create a value engine that wins because you're producing more value than us? Is its goal to win the game quickly with like a wide creature board? Or is your deck's goal really to uh, 
what's it called? Combo out. I think those are the main varieties. There's there's definitely more. Um, but I think those are like the the main different strategies. I'd say. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, like when I'm in a spell table, some of the things I've been doing is like, because uh, I honestly, uh, people keep mentioning, you know, oh, I'm a seven, eight, whatever. And I'm like, and the lowest I've seen is a five, um, which is basically pre-con level stuff because it's how it comes out the box nowadays, you know? Yeah. I think since 2019, the precons have basically been fives. Yeah, I, so, I can't think of a precon that below a three. Yeah, like I basically precon is where I put the lowest on my rating system for me. It's like there's precons and there's my popper deck, because uh, my popper deck is just so underpowered because it doesn't have all that other stuff if it faces a non-popper deck. Uh. Yeah, we won't even get into the, the popper rating system because it's so weird. Mm -hmm. um, now, when I'm when I'm saying people, I'm like, hey, look, um, I'm looking for like a casual aid or something like that, you know, because I'm used to playing against decks that don't utilize infinite combos don't utilize infinite combats or infinite turns or lock us out or things like that you know the the sometimes feel bad strategies when you're not expecting them to happen you know because mm -hmm. i mean if you're playing cdh <clears throat> or competitive that is uh big c yeah. not little c mm -hmm. um, you expect anything really like Someone, I'm honestly, if I go into a competitive game, I'm expecting people to try to infinite combo out, like as soon as possible. Yeah, that's expected. But if I'm playing anything below a nine, I'm not <laughs> expecting infinite combos. Yeah, um, I, gotta, I think our league has changed our percent. I think there's plenty of infinite combos that aren't, uh, that are casual friendly. You know, like five card silly combos that still win the game but they're like five not great cards the deck doesn't churn them out like uh because at the end and of the day if you have any interaction yeah gonna shut it down because mm -hmm. at the end of the day it's like a five card combo that wins the game any worse or even close to the same level as playing like tooth and nail entwined and a concordant crossroads because that's not an infinite, you know, but wins the game. <laughs> it does, and yeah. if you don't have interaction to kill creatures, well, that's kind of what happens. <laughs> yeah, and even if you do have interaction to kill creatures, if the concordant will give them all haste, so it needs to be like uh, Route or Pack of Despair. We were talking about how much we loved it a couple weeks ago, or I loved yes. it a couple weeks ago. Yep. Yeah, and then there's fog. <laughs> yeah, the fog effects obviously. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that's basically the way I see it in my mind. It's like the pregame discussion is really just—it's more to find out what, for me, I try and find out what people don't want to see at the table, mm -hmm. because I know what I don't like to see, 
if I'm not bringing a deck that can do the competitive thing of infinite and be uninteractive, then I don't want anybody to do that, really. Because that's a different game type. Like, Yeah. I was talking about deck building with somebody, and I was like, yeah, when I'm building a competitive deck, my deck building strategy is way different than when I'm building a casual deck. Because in casual, I pick the commander and I build around them. In competitive, I pick a combo and build around that. Mm -hmm. And select a commander that works for that combo, unless the commander is the combo. But <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying. It's like I, I wanted to build... I built Conrad Knights. So I built the the deck around knights and moving things in and out of my graveyard with things like morality shifts and stuff. But my tribal knights and Hakon throw everything into my graveyard, bring my knights back, which is hilarious. Yeah. And then if something gets too strong, I'm like, okay, fine. I have to, I have to go tutor for my morality shift or, or my inverter of truth, you know? <laughs> I think it's so funny. <laughs> it's and normally I don't win with the inverter, but not with the uh, I don't win with morality shift because people yeah. play interaction a lot of interaction in casual games, so it doesn't normally feel bad. So normally, I play a morality shift. Conrad gets destroyed, and so the next turn I'm like, all right, fine, Conrad, and then I'm like, inverter of truth. And Conrad gets destroyed, <laughs> and I just get my deck back, you know? <laughs> yeah. No. I think my Conrad deck's sick. I, I need to play against it sometime. Our schedule is a little awkward, though. It is like, a little awkward. Because you don't go to Friday League because of your Pathfinder, and I don't go to Wednesday League because of my TNT. <laughs> it is kind of funny. Yeah. So we get a different viewpoint of different groups among the League and stuff like that. And I think my favorite change I made to my Conrad was making him not aristocrats. Because yeah. just people being interactive with the board while someone's playing an aristocrat deck, it kind of hurts in a way. <laughs> Especially when you're when you're sitting on four or five of them, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was interesting. It changes the deck a lot. Um, let's see. Oh, yes, rule zero. Yeah. Um, so I guess the big thing we should talk about is like uh, when it comes to a rule zero discussion, the the purpose of it isn't to keep the game casual. The purpose of it is to keep the game at an equal playing field. Uh, and also knowing yeah. what you're going into. Mm -hmm. like Knowing what you're about to play. Yeah. If, if I'm going into a game and I'm and I'm like, hey, I'm going to bring this deck. It's kind of casual. And I guesstimate because no one's really super accurate on those scores and say, hey, you know, this is like a seven or an eight, you know, mid-ish. It's kind of quick, but it's not an infinite. I have to go through combat, blah, blah, blah. And somebody else is like, all right, I'll bring an eight as well. But then they bring like basically a an unpower not as a cdh deck with less powerful cards and they combo out like that's not what i was expecting and so that makes the game feel bad if i went into it knowing what i was going that i'm facing that type of play style it would be different 
you know, it, it puts a different mood to the results of the game. Like if you someone just surprises me with Thoracle in a in a game I'm was positive was gonna be casual, I'm gonna be bad because yeah. that's that's not cool. That's uh, lying about your intent in the game, mm-hmm. and that means you've lied to me as a person, not as a player. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, I don't know. I think the the satisfaction of winning with Thoracle is not worth uh, like everybody else having a bad time. And I don't it's have a satisfying? problem. Yeah. Oh. Sat- I, well, I didn't know that people liked actually doing that because it doesn't seem very fun. Well, I think I think there I think there is a small subsect of people who get a kick out of uh winning the game with their two cards. Um maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm being pessimistic about it. But uh cuz I don't have a problem with people winning with Thoracle. I don't have a problem against losing losing against Thoracle even, but I have a problem um, getting matched up against people trying to win with Thoracle when I don't really want to play that type of game. You know, it's like you have your lane, I have my lane. Um, I think a lot of the feels bad, and there's like this, there's come up a falsified separation between casual and competitive commander where there's a bit of a like uh negative denotion between the two groups and maybe maybe this isn't um as prominent as i think it is i think a lot of the reason that denotion happens is because there's uh there's these instances where casual players get into pods and they just lose to cdh decks um and it's not like a cdh player's fault they should be able to play the game mode they want and it's a fun game mode if you play it as well like if all four people at the table are playing cdh it's can be some of the most fun you can have in Commander. But uh, I feel like if you don't play CDH and you get put at a table with three people playing CDH, is really one of the most boring experiences you can have with Magic. You're, you're basically not playing the game. Yeah, you're going to play three lands in a row, maybe cast a spell. Unless you're playing like Goblin Aggro, you might swing at someone for five damage, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. If they don't counterspell everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there will be some weird instances where your non-CDH deck can win, where there's like the CDH players have all stopped each other and they've run out of stuff, and they can't get it back, and then you just goblin aggro them out. <laughs> yeah, so maybe, maybe build goblin aggro for your CDH deck is the lesson you can learn from us today. I'm I'm not I'm not supporting that message. <laughs> <laughs> not just because it's goblins. Um, just for your own sanity, like knowing the the not necessarily exactly how someone's going to win, but mm-hmm. their intent of method. Like I'm going to use an instant win combo, or I'm going to be doing casual combat non-infinite stuff or i'm might be doing infect like people like to know when i'm playing infect before the game and i have a much more fun game playing infect than i do if i surprise them with infect like honestly if i see satoru i'm assuming you're playing blightsteel and i'm gonna target you 100 <laughs> percent. yeah 
I get oh. targeted playing my Yogmoth tribal insect more because of Satoru. <laughs> I don't have Scytherix or Blightsteel in it, but mm -hmm. I was at a table with a Satoru who did have Blightsteel, and he did use it in the game, but I was the one getting picked off and unable to play the entire time. Yeah, because once <laughs> if the Satoru only hits the guy for seven, in fact, Right? Like, maybe they decrease its power. You can just start proliferating it up again. <laughs> Which would be a miracle, because Blightsteel would be Ninjasudan unblocked. Oh my gosh, yeah. So, if he has a Blightsteel and you don't block something, like, it can't be blocked, you just die. Like, because yeah. oh, it so comes sad. in, it's, it's indestructible. Like, you... It's very uninteractive. And that kind of thing is, it's, it hurts. Because it's like, okay, yeah. I didn't expect to instantly lose because I didn't block a 1-1 one, one on turn four. Yeah. You, you know, that's, that's mm -hmm. not casual. That's not okay to just surprise on people, you know? Yeah. It, basically, they were expecting a, a more game to be played and then suddenly just, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I think the worst part about it is it uh is it doesn't really put the Satoru player in a good position, right? Because their board's basically gonna be Satoru and a Blight Steel, a tapped Blight Steel. Which sounds great, but you gotta realize Blight Steel, if he hits you and you because at this point he you can start blocking the Blight Steel now because it's in play. Unless they bounce into their hand, then you know it's in the hand. If you block Blight Steel for two and you go to nine in fact. Unless anything else happens to you with Infect, like somebody plays an Icarus or something, it effectively did nothing as a creature other than kill your guy in combat. And uh, so you can just kind of save up two damage a blocker, kill them, uh, hit them with everything else, save up some more. And it's, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's a better situation than I think, but I think it puts a huge target with the other two players. So I feel like that's the worst part. It's like not even a a great play, like if Kalia puts in like uh... actually I think the Kalia insta-kill combo is also not a good play because that thing can only attack by itself so it's like yeah I think with Satoru there are better things you can do than just play a Blightsteel to insta-kill somebody, I think you want to be putting in more valuable creatures mm -hmm. and doing the Blightsteel insta-kill is more BM towards one specific person exactly yeah, for the sake of ruining their day. And that's part of the whole thing I'm, I was going with, which, you know, it's just my opinion, my experience, is that mm -hmm. if people lose a game in a manner or a speed of play that they weren't ready for, like, it's not the same. Yeah. Like, if they're expecting like turn six, turn seven, you know, that and it happens about that time, like you rise of the dark realms and have haste, like, yeah, that's shit happened. You know, there was clearly enough shit in the graveyards for things to go off. Or if you do your tooth and nail entwined and 
on turn seven or eight or whatever and just blah, Avenger Avenger hoof. That that's things are gonna die. <laughs> People are gonna die if they're not ready for it. You you can't really be ready for that shit on turn three and four. Yeah. In in most casual decks, to be fair, because a lot of casual decks they're casual because we're playing inefficient cards. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a bad way towards the cards. I just mean that there are more expensive or higher powered cards that some of us are just intentionally not playing to have a more fun, interactive game. Yeah. And if your deck is avoiding interacting with the other people, I don't feel that's casual. Yeah. And, and you got another thing is like, uh, it, those turn like three or four, like not actual CDH decks, like Satoru, Blightsteel, you can deal with it. You can kill Satoru before you go to blockers, and then ninjutsu, then his ninjutsu ability is gone by the time they can activate it, technically. But um, I think saying just interact with it in, in an instance like that is bad because you only have access to the seven cards in your hand plus the three cards you've drawn. Maybe four, depending on turn order, right? Eleven cards. So it's like feels it puts a lot of variance on you to have drawn removal and kept it up in those early turns when you want to be ramping. And that's I think the problem is like in a casual game, your early turns are really focused on ramping to progress to the late game. Whereas in CDH, your early turns are focused on winning the game. So I think that kind of mindset changes how the decks are built and how also you play the game in those early game points. So it's like, it feels even worse because you're like, well, I died on turn four. The game hasn't really started. I'm just trying to get to the good stuff, really, the meat and potatoes of the meal. Yeah, I spent more time on the the pregame discussion and shuffling my deck than I did actually playing. Yeah. You know, because I've had through three turns of four-player magic and like, Less than five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Land pass. Land soul ring pass. Land uh, expedition map. Uh, land goblin. Boom. That's a turn. That just yeah. happened. Uh, like, someone who someone who fetched on their first turn is still shuffling. They're like, "Fuck! I'm almost there." Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it'll get like, it'll, yeah, it'll do that, and the next turn will be like land. Everybody who didn't play ramp will probably play a two-mana ramp pass, and then everybody else will play land pass. And then at that point, let's put in the Satoru situation. Somebody plays Satoru, and they played a one-drop on their first turn. And then on turn four, it's land, kill one of the four people. It's like, I think, while that is, isn't CDH, and while I wouldn't call it a 10, I wouldn't even call it a 9, really. Um, it feels bad, and it's hard. And it's a hard way to grade that deck because it can't do that consistently, right? You need to draw your one-one unblockable or your two-man unblockable guy, and then need to draw uh, white steel, which uh, could be done in a, in weird ways, you know. Oh my gosh! What happened? Somebody just called me on Discord, and it was very loud. <laughs> it wasn't me. 
maybe, maybe <laughs> set yourself at do not disturb, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. Look at you using like uh, rain and any in everything. <laughs> nah, I just stick yeah. myself to online and, and pray nobody calls me. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um, Rule zero is it's very fickle. Mm-hmm. It's a social discussion where not everyone understands what everyone means. That's going to happen. But as you play with those people more or ever again, that gets easier. However, there are situations where you might be playing with someone that you might never play with again. So you have to take a little bit more time, have that discussion, try and make sure it's a fun game. There's a couple situations. I've been playing a lot of spell table online, mm-hmm. and there was a couple situations where clearly we didn't make any specific points or anything. Um, and feel bads were had by people at the table due to situations. Um, because people were like, it's people were like, well, I only build my decks with infinites, and I'm just like, do you, do you like playing with people? <laughs> um, that's that's just my personal opinion. Is I feel like if you're building your deck for that intent, like a CDH intent, if you're not playing against CDH decks, you're not playing with your opponents. You're playing yeah. by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I think the problem, a big problem with that is there's a lap between people coming from competitive 1v1 card games like Hearthstone or even the other formats of Magic uh, into Commander. Oathbreaker, I think it is. Is the 1v1? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, the, that's the 1v1 Magic the Gathering format. Um, <laughs> No, yeah. I'm talking about like the commander style. Oh, oh, I thought you were just Singletons. dogging on standard again. <laughs> I'm always dogging on standard. That's yeah. I I do consider things like anything else better than standard or modern or legacy. One v one formats are meh, and that's one yeah. of the reasons I don't like many of those kind of decks in commander. Personally, is because mm-hmm. you're still playing one v one. It just has more hit points spread around because yeah. you're not you're not building to beat three people in the long run. You're just building to do your combo and win. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're doing yeah. exactly the same thing you would do in a 1v1, which is... Exactly. I think the problem is people come from these 1v1 card games um, where like the goal, is to, the goal is to win, right? When I'm playing standard, the goal is to win, and then I'm usually playing in somebody else whose goal is to win. And we'll have a and we can still have a fun game. Like playing playing with the intention of winning does not exclude fun. They're not mutually exclusive. The they become mutually exclusive when you are playing with the intention to win and I am playing with the intention to have a fun, casual game with commander. And that's what happens when you have people who come from these who are like, all right, I should build the best deck I can so I can win. And you have this like awkward in between where it's like well, I'm building this to see if I can win with these cards. <laughs> yeah, I'm building can this because I, I saw. Off? 
because I saw the weird, funny commander I wanted to build, and you're playing a commander you saw mine was great, which is fair. That's a valid way to play the game. But without a rule zero, you can't really create an environment where everybody's doing on the same page. Um, and even actually, with rule zero, it's still hard. Yeah. So there's going to be times where it's just not going to work out. Mm -hmm. But people have to go into that. Honestly, that's that's exactly the word I want there. People have to go into it honestly. Like, hey, my deck can win on turn three or four. It consistently wins on wins by turn five or six when it wins. Uh, and if it gets to a later game, I'm probably in danger. That's yeah. <laughs> fine. That's that's like a nine or an eight to me. Like, there's a very if there's a very rare situation you could win on turn three, you're probably a nine. If you mm -hmm. can do it consistently, four out of five games, you're a 10. I don't care about the quality of your cards. Like, if you can consistently go turn three, go off, like, that's a 10. Because <laughs> it's yeah. taking less time for us to talk about the game and shuffle up than it is for you to win. <laughs> exactly. And uh, the rule zero, as you play more, if whoever listening to this is a new player or if you're a or if you're a player who just isn't familiar with the idea of Rule Zero, as you play and as you have those Rule Zero discussions, you'll find the kind of questions that work best for you, and maybe your Rule Zero pregame discussion is completely different than ours. And that's fine. It's one of those things that it, it doesn't matter what is said as long as it works, really. But the main idea of it is important, and the main idea is to have everybody on the same page. It's not to exclude people for playing something. I joked about not playing in stacks players, and that's actually false. I kind of I find it interesting. Um, I'm not I, it's, <laughs> I find it interesting, but if I've got less than an hour and a half, I'm not going to find it too interesting. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what's it called? Uh, so it's not to exclude players; it's to make sure everybody has fun. Like even the people playing CDH, you want them to have fun. Um, and they're not going to enjoy playing CDH against three people. Like uh, they, they shouldn't. Yeah, like there's a stipulation of comp, comp players like just wanting to sit there and play with themselves all game. But really, that's not what comp is. That's what comp is against. Uh what's it called, against new players. And that, that's that they, not they what they want. Pub, pub stomping. Yeah, that's the term I was looking for. And uh, not many comp players actually want that. They just want to play CDH uh, with other CDH players. Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of yeah. the feel that if you're playing that kind of deck, you shouldn't feel great winning that kind of a game. You should... It would feel great winning that kind of game against decks that can do the same type of things you can. Because otherwise, it's like a, a professional football player, um, a quarterback and receiver on a professional team playing for a high school team. That's yeah. not going to pan out well. And yes, I know <laughs> some of these high school kids are huge these days and play amazing, but there's a different level. Yeah, exactly. That, that's noted there. 
And even when you think about it, it's like, okay, there's high school, uh, there's college football, there's professional football. Like, think of it that way. Like, high school, starter deck, maybe, pre-con, depending, for freshmen. Um, senior football is like a tuned pre-con. Not super tuned, not super efficient, but it just had some work. You've customized it. And then you go to the college games where you're like, okay, this is my personal deck. I've tuned it. It's still casual. doesn't have any high efficient cards or big money plays. doesn't win quick, but it's, it's good. It will do what it wants to do. It just won't happen quick. And it might be subject to interaction or it's just very interactive. And then you go to the, the professional level where it wouldn't be fun for one of those teams to play against the high school team. Yeah. You know? Because they've had more time, more practice, more effort, uh, more conditioning, just better overall conditions. And it wouldn't be much of a game. Hell, sometimes those professional teams against each other is not much of a game. <laughs> yeah. And there's some teams out there that have had a hard time of it because of that. But that's kind of along the same lines. It's like, if you play on your level, the winning, when you get the win, is going to be more satisfactory. And when people lose, it's not going to be as salt-inducing. Yeah. I think even for CDH players, it's not about satisfactory. Like, I've played CDH against people not playing CDH. Um, not on purpose, obviously. And it's just boring, right? Because you're just sitting there doing your thing and you're not really playing with the table. Where CDH, you very much are playing with the table because your decks are basically... Um, yeah, when you're on the same, your same line of fast. thing, you're all doing the same thing. You are actually playing with yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Because CDH decks are designed like 50% your combo and how and the way to get to your combo as fast as possible, and 50% ways to prevent your opponents from comboing as quickly as possible. So it's like a and lot those... of. Good. Well, I'm just saying it's a lot of like hyper fast interaction kind of stuff, or in some cases, very slow grindy games against uh, stacks where you have to really think about what you're doing, but that's rare. I think that's not as common in CDH anymore. I don't know. Correct me, CDH players, if there's a hot stack stack. I mean, Hinata's pretty popular, but um, I personally haven't sat a lot of tables where people wanted to play stacks, and everyone was okay with it. (laughs) So, hasn't happened much i'll say that um yeah it's they're i guess it's like comparing a drift car to a nascar yeah there's entirely different things yeah or like a formula one racer versus a nascar like they just do different things and a Formula One racer is going to ha- be a more interesting race with other Formula One racers. Yeah. That, see, this metaphor makes way more sense. I like it more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, uh, you know, it's more, and it, it also works with this, it's more about staying in your own lane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at the end of the day. I don't think you should 
I don't like it when you insult people for playing uh, at a certain level. You know, like, I'll make the ironic joke, like, oh, those filthy casuals. Or um, I'll, like, call CH players sweaty tryhards. But at the end of the day, you know, it's more of a thing. Like, if I played during Revised and Beta, I didn't. And I have a bunch of the expensive cards. I'll, I'll play CDH. The reason I don't play CDH nowadays is, like, if I had a $600 card, I'd be selling it. <laughs> it right. sense money's, it. money's tight for a lot of people, you know? Yeah. And, but you can still win that stuff off of less budget cards. Yeah. I've heard that. But it's harder. Yeah. That's fair. And I feel like the Rule Zero discussion... For me, the main thing I like to get out of people is what they don't want to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's on my, that's how I like to ask. And other people are like, what level do you want to play? And that's the only question they'll really ask is like for the number and to see where they stack up with what they have, if they have more than one. Um, and mm-hmm. for me, it's like, what do you not want to see? You know, oh, you don't want to see Infect. Okay. Uh, someone might say they don't want to see a Voltron because it's kind of the same thing as like the Satoru Blightseal we're talking about. Yeah. It's designed to take out one person at a time. So that can feel bad for whoever gets taken out. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the hardest part I ever have playing my Voltron deck, which is, it is fun to build it up and do it. But I, I play with partners because I want to try and kill more than one person at a time. So someone's <laughs> not just watching the whole time, you know? And yeah. It's hard. And that's just, that's normally my approach to it. Other people mm-hmm. should, could approach it their own way. Just, I feel like that's the questions that are normally missed. And that's why I ask. Yeah. I definitely think I'm more of a power level person, but uh, I think that's because I don't really play any strategies that people don't like going against. Uh, I play a lot of Reanimator, I guess, which maybe people don't like going against it, but like. But it's so common. I feel like almost every deck now has some version, form of utilizing their graveyard in Mm -hmm. a way. Like red and blue do it with spells. Yeah. Black and green, we do it with our graveyard. And and white, well, white does it a lot with their graveyard. (laughs) Yeah. But they do it with not always creatures, but sometimes artifacts and enchantments too. Like, there's all kinds of forms of reanimator. Mm-hmm. It's just common thing. Like, I feel like having some form of reanimator deck is not a bad thing. Yeah. But yeah, like, I guess Rise, we should... like Rise of the Dark Realms. I mean, it's my favorite black card to play with. It's so good. Uh, and it's technically a reanimator card. It may be the only one in my deck. Doesn't make my deck a reanimator deck, but it's still every deck can include some random form or piece of things people are talking about. But if someone says, "Hey, I don't want to play stacks," that doesn't mean that the one uh, card in your deck that maybe stacks like is not okay. They're more referring. I'm more referring to things like your whole strategy. If that's yeah. the whole thing you're doing. Oh God, please don't stax me. I have work in two days I have to clock into. <laughs> yeah. Um gosh. But yeah, I guess we should talk about um something we saw online. It was the announcement of phases. 
Oh yes, this discussion. Um, yeah, so we'll take a we'll take a step back from rules here because well, it's much like the power level discussion. There's no right or wrong to it. Mm -hmm. You just got to try. If you don't do it, that's when you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Because CDH players, you don't need to do it. You know what you're doing. You know what you're walking into. For everyone, any other type of game, just at least try to have the discussion. It'll help. Mm -hmm. You got to practice it, just like learning the game. Speaking of learning the game, as you just mentioned, (laughs) we're going to talk about uh, the phase announcements. Some people get itchy about this, apparently. Now, at the start of your turn, what happens? Uh, you untap your lands. Okay. Um, then you go to your upkeep. Then you draw your card. Okay. <laughs> now, have you ever interacted with someone during those fa- during that time? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you can't do it on untap. Uh, priority mm-hmm. is never passed on that phase. Uh, but I always, almost. I find myself very often doing it on upkeep. Before they get another card to possibly interact. Before they get another card to interact, while a lot of their uh, start of turn triggers... Because most yeah. triggers that happen at the start of turn happen on upkeep. Yeah. Right, so they're sitting on the stack. They haven't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See? So, what would happen if you were doing that stuff and... You just did it. And I'm sitting there with a card in my hand that uh, was basically needed to be done before your draw step. Like um, a card that would make you mill a card. You know, that affects uh, what you would draw, right? Exactly. Well, in that instance, you would have to trust me as the other player to put the appropriate card back on top of my deck that I drew to be milled. Uh, which when you're playing with people you don't know <laughs> trusting them is very hard yeah I, I always like to trust people but I, that does not mean that doesn't happen we'll put it this way uh, rules generally get made because people were untrustworthy or did something that forced the rule to be implemented yeah uh, old magic uh, pro tours were famous for having I think it was like three different players who were like super big cheaters and everybody knew it uh, I think I watched a maybe not Rissic study maybe uh, some magic YouTuber had a video about like this pro tour final it was just two people basically tried to out cheat each other and like really old magic right I think like probably pre-ice age <laughs> Yeah, and the thing is, is that the point we're getting is, is that when you change phases, like you say, okay, I'm in untap, upkeep, and and give it a few seconds, and okay, I have no upkeep triggers, going to draw, okay. Mm -hmm. That's that. Yeah. If you had an interaction, you had a chance to actually react. Like Exactly. Because if you were planning, you knew that there was a time frame coming that you were going to want to do something. And if they gave you that opportunity, you could say, okay, I have a reaction. Cool. 
Now, if you went untap, upkeep, draw, and you go ahead and draw your card and start tapping mana, I'm like, wait, I had a reaction during your upkeep. You know, I had a response. I had an interaction for the board. Now, you're mm -hmm. possibly frustrated because you uh, are going to have to alter your turn. You may have drawn something you got super excited about. Yeah. You know, and now it's gone. Yeah, you or might have. It's not because you may or may not be honest about it, but who knows? Well, also, you might have drawn something and been like, oh, yeah, like out loud, excited about it. And then they're like, actually, on your upkeep, I was going to mill you. Right. And so, then it's like, were they actually going to do that beforehand? Or, or just they... because you got excited? Yeah. So the announcing the phases isn't just to give your opportunity to screw you, it's also to protect you. Yeah. Uh, from people being shady. Yep. I think a big thing about it is when we learn magic, we are given improper information. Uh, mm -hmm. When I learned magic, and you went over the cards, it was like, sorcery, it's a one-time spell you cast on your turn. Creature, you cast on your turn, it's a guy. Instant. You, it's, it's like a sorcery, but you can cast it any time. Which is wrong. You cannot cast instants at any time. You can cast instants on your opponent's turn when you have priority. Um, which right. you have priority during a couple of things. Um, whenever a something your opponent does goes on the stack, whether it's a triggered ability that just happens automatically, they're activating ability. Basically, if your opponent does anything other than play a land, you get priority for a bit. It passes after, around the table. After they pass the priority. Yeah, after they pass their priority. It passes around the table and you can cast your instant then. You get priority when your opponent changes phases when they go to change phases so if i say i'm going from my upkeep to my draw step even if i didn't have anything happen on my upkeep you get priority before my draw step you don't get it going from untapped to upkeep though um so this is a chance for you to cast something in my upkeep before i draw um basically on someone else's turn you don't have a chance yeah. to respond until Mm -hmm. They the up beginning of upkeep upkeep triggers happen. Whether yeah. or not there's any triggers, the attempt for the game to trigger upkeep fate stuff is the first time that there would be a, the time for anybody to put things on the stack, whether it's the player or their opponents. It's yep. uh, it's basically like uh, I say I'm going to my instep. That's the last chance for anyone to put anything on the stack until other triggers happen you know yeah because when you go to the cleanup step it's just like untap mm -hmm. that's it the player goes down to their seven if something triggers because of it it does um but there's you can possibly react to those triggers but you can't yeah. put anything on the stack yep um there's it's instance and priority is most important usually during the main phase. If your opponent's sitting in their main phase, and let's say they cast Azusa Lost but Seeking, right? The you can play two additional lands. If it hits the table, you can't unless there it has an ETB effect, like from another source. So let's say they just have three lands, tap them, play Azusa, Lost but Seeking. They haven't played let's say they haven't played a land yet this turn. And you let it hit the table, you can't remove it before they play their lands, because you don't have priority. They can play their three lands down, 
then say, all right, I'm going to end my turn. But actually, they're going to each of their phases before the turn, which you don't need to go through each of those individually unless you have spells that can only be cast during combat, really. But basically, it's saying you're going to have priority now. Your opponent is F6ing to pass priority to all of you. You can now kill it, but you can't kill it before they play the lands, after it enters, unless there's an ETB on the stack that gives you priority to cast a removal spell targeting it. Right. Yeah. Um, but this is important for the upkeep step specifically, which I think is gets skipped over um, a lot because there's zero mana spells that do things. There's a lot more now um, mm-hmm. that can only be cast on your opponent's turns. So maybe you're holding them to cast it on the next opponent's upkeep even if they're not doing stuff. There's stuff that affects how they draw. There's stuff that maybe... I've seen people just, on your upkeep, time stop, go to the next player's turn. Oh yeah, I've seen... Four blue-blue. So, while it might not seem important, just say untap, upkeep, a quick glance around, draw. It'll cost you like a five seconds tops per turn. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's less to give you... It's not necessarily about giving your opponents a chance to screw you. And it's also about giving yourself a chance to not be hosed by a delayed reaction mm-hmm. uh, that someone may take advantage of extra information gained. Yep. It's it's to keep it fair. Because yeah, if yeah. you do it and your opponent starts doing it, when you have a chance where you want to interfere with them before they draw, or before they go to combat, or before they go to blockers, or before they go to damage, or the end step or their main phase, or before before a trigger resolves. You got to do that. You can't just say, I'm like, I'm going to play Vampiric Tutor and start searching. No, you have to say any response. like Because otherwise, you start messing with your deck, and someone's like, no, I had a response to, to counter your spell, and you've already looked through your deck. You've already gained extra information. You have altered the game state. Mm-hmm. And in a casual or commander environment, normally that's forgivable. People are like, okay, cool. And they put it back down. They've done. But think about it. Like, if you're if you were playing on the pro tour, a lot of people watch this stuff. That person who already started searching their deck, they just got a game loss. Yeah. Because they just literally started searching their deck for with no reason. Yep. Because they did not pass priority to their opponent and give them a chance to respond. You were they were basically denying their opponent a chance to to interact, which is not how that works. So rules were made for a reason, and although the cards in Magic are not fair or balanced, the rules in Magic are. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I think it's less to avoid people cheating around what additional information. I think that will happen sometimes, but I think it's less likely. You're more likely to avoid bad feelings about some of that stuff maybe happening. You know, it's like, oh, I wanted to, like, maybe we're excited about a card, but then your opponent said, actually, you need to meld that. Add something to plan your turn. And maybe you're like, oh, dang, I, I really wish I had waited because maybe then that wouldn't have happened. And you have that thought that maybe they're cheating, and they probably aren't. Right, but it's still like a bad feel uh, that comes up, and it's 
I don't know. I think it's very silly to get annoyed at people for giving you more information. Right. Yeah. Clarity is the name of the game. And, like, I've seen the discussion devolve in many directions. And there mm-hmm. was one one um, path someone was trying to take with it where they're like, well, I say it if I'm going to do something uh, during that phase and let them know that they, this is their chance to react. I'm like, But if you did it all the time, then they wouldn't automatically be gaining information that you're about to do something important. Mm-hmm. Like, because I go untap, upkeep, draw every time. So then the one time that I go untap, upkeep, and I remember that I vampiric tutored and no one else does, but if I've done that untap, upkeep, draw every time, then I'm not hiding anything. Exactly. But if the one, if the turn after I play the vampiric tutor, I'm like, that's the only time I go untap, upkeep, draw. I'm basically saying, hey, my really powerful card is right here. You should take it out. And that's giving my opponents more information by that being the only time I uh, uh, propose a priority. Mm Mm-hmm. That gives my opponents information that I'm about to do something that's more potent than normal. Yeah. It's it's like in D&D when you ask for a perception check when they're rocking down a hallway. And it's the first time you've ever done that. It's like, oh, there's probably traps in this hallway. <laughs> like, even if you fail, it's like, hmm. There's, there's either something watching me. There's something I should be seeing right now, even if you fail. Right. Which is obviously metagaming. You should do it, but just like in this, you're getting that information for free, and that's onto the players themselves not to use that information improperly. Right. But if you were asking someone for a perception check every room, every hallway, every... Yeah. they're not always going to think it's a trap. Mm-hmm. Now, until they get I... hit with a trap. <laughs> that's more annoying, because you have to roll the dice, add up the numbers and everything. I think that just saying, hey, here's my three phases each turn. Um, and D&D also revolves more around uh, not metagaming and stuff. It isn't a competitive game. So I think maybe that comparison was a little poorly yeah. made on my hand. Yeah, fair. But the the consistency versus the rarity. Yeah, that was more it's, the point I was trying to make. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, if something happens all the time, it doesn't stand out. Mm-hmm. But if... If this is the first time in the game you say I'm moving to combat, then there's something about that combat that needs to be altered immediately. Like, because mm-hmm. we're not all going to be able to notice, remember every card on the board. And for the most part, that's our own fault. That's okay. It's not your job to tell me, okay, I still have these five creatures on the board, they do this, this, and this, and I'm about to go to combat where they're going to do this, this, and this. That's You don't have to tell me that. That's my fault. Because yeah. I, I could ask you, okay, what does that card do? Okay, you're going to combat with those two. Uh, what does that one do? Okay, so when you're going to combat, I have a response. I'm going to I play this spell that's going to tap those two creatures and goad that one so it can't attack me. 
because I saw something that they could do that I didn't want to happen to me. Yeah. However, if I didn't get that chance and you declare attackers and you are attacking me, then it looks like I would only play that spell to protect myself. And that's yeah. extra information for me. Or you swing to attack and I didn't play that spell. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't waste it because he's not attacking me. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally uh, that totally makes sense and comes up all the time. I feel like the combat stuff happens a lot more, which is so it's a good comparison for people to kind of understand why this is a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, if you draw your card and you're like, mm, I don't have anything I want to play yet. And you're like, all right, I'm going to attack you for four. Wait, what? Like, okay, go back. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go through, go to my combat step. Okay, now I'm going to kill your creature because I know you're going to attack me. Yeah. Because you just gave me that and didn't give me a chance to respond. So I'm going to use my chance to respond to punish you for it. If you had said, I'm going to combat. Okay, boom. I'd hold my my thing or whatever and be like, okay, he's got one creature. Then you attack me. I'm like, oh, fuck, that was my fault. Exactly. I could have tapped it down, but I didn't know you were going to attack me. If you don't mm-hmm. wait for the phases and you just start doing stuff, you're giving your opponent information that they can make you backtrack on and take advantage of. Mm-hmm. So announcing phases is, in my mind, very much for your own protection. More than it is for your to give your opponents a chance to respond. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, at it, the end of the day... It'll Go make ahead. the game run a lot. I'm, I'm just saying, at the end of the day, the game run a lot smoother. Generally, yeah. Yeah. Because it's a... I find it to be a good habit. Because mm-hmm. not only are you giving your opponent a chance to respond, you're not giving away information, you're also reminding yourself of different parts of the game where you could be interactive. Because if you're just like untap, like don't even say, and you're like, okay, draw, uh, I'm going to go to combat, I swing at you. You you miss a lot of phases there where you could try and draw information from your opponents um, and possibly not waste parts of your turn to play better for yourself. Or you may start realizing, okay, if I went through this phase like this, I could utilize more cards that take advantage of the phasing and have better responses or ways to draw things out for my opponents, you know, learning the order of things that declare defining threats and things like that. Like if I play something that I know they're going to want to stop, I'm Mm going to want to do it after something that they might stop. I might try and draw it out. Like I'm not going to play peer in the abyss first thing on my main phase. And be like, yeah, appear in the abyss. Uh, no, they're going to try and stop that. Um, so I'll try to draw it up like, all right, I'm going to go to combat. And I'm going to attack the person that I know is probably going to have a reaction to my other card. And I'm going to try and use those phases and stuff to draw out their reactions. Yeah. So, And then uh, once I feel like I've notice there's no reactions no responses happening then i'll try and go for a big play 
you don't just whip out the rocket launcher and fire it. You got to wait for it to get a target lock. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you gotta find out if they've got strafe on the chopper, you know? It's it's <clears throat> I could do dumb metaphors <clears throat> all day. Every now and then I might get a smart metaphor, but mostly dumb. Oh, hey. God. I forgot how scary he is. <laughs> now recording again. Uh yes, this is phase two of today. Um so that's good. We got that started. Uh, how much time do you have rolling for the rest of the day there, Brian? Uh, probably about 30-ish minutes then. All right, cool. Yeah. And uh, just kind of a brief relapse of what we were talking about just a minute ago. Um, there's not a right or wrong way to do rule zero. Exactly. Except for not doing rule zero. Or lying yep. about it. <laughs> which it, if you're doing rule zero don't lie about it because you're not going to be able to do any rule zeros in the future because people aren't going to play with you <laughs> yeah it's uh i think i think why i think not doing it is better than doing it and lying for the sole purpose of winning a game yeah maybe. if you lie on a rule zero go back to standard <laughs> back to standard Go back to Gosh. Pokemon. Seriously. Did you, you hear? Play. Did you hear? Not a single person is. Uh, not a single store has launched standard in the valley since COVID came back. <laughs> no, oh. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, they're launching everything but like Pioneer, Modern, uh, not Historic. That's basically online only. Commander Knights on Friday. Just no Friday night standard. Maybe they do like. Tuesday standard. You know what I really think it is? Is that people don't want to play standard. Uh, not just because the standard format is generally unbalanced and sucks, um, but because during COVID, I think people have decided they want to be less assholes to each other. <laughs> and in standard and modern, you just want to be an asshole to the other person. Oh. The, the, the game doesn't really allow for you not to be. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's it because like modern and pioneer are still firing, right? Okay, that's, legacy. That's fair. Modern and pioneer tend to have a very diverse environment as well. Tend tend to. Yeah, yeah. They they they. I would say on average they do. They have more than four decks at most at a time. Yeah. Whereas standard, uh, it's four decks at most that people will be playing. Mm -hmm. And if you don't play those four and you try to be fringe or have a cool tech, it usually just doesn't work. Yeah. Like, and or you have to spend so much on it to make it work that it's not fun anymore because of the amount you lose putting in more effort into a deck than someone who did not. Mm hmm. Yeah, so. I think I think another problem is uh, arena is a really good standard experience. Like playing standard on arena, if you have the cards, it's pretty good. And then so they're like, I'm just gonna play standard on arena, not buy standard cards in person, and then I'll play commander in person. So they're like, so then more commander knights are firing and whatnot. Yeah, if I'm if I'm going out to play with people, mm -hmm. I'm gonna do I'm gonna 
out there to play with friends. Yeah. You know, and be friendly and socialize. And I'll get my kicks of like pounding someone in the dirt and standard on a leaner online. Go play Hearthstone. <laughs> Honestly, I've I played the 1v1 Hearthstone. Like, that's, that's probably the only 1v1 game I really like is Hearthstone. Just because yeah. there's. It's designed for 1v1 shenanigans. Like the coin flips, and it's designed to be played online. Magic's mm-hmm. not its original intent. And it's so wonky and bleh. <clears throat> I don't like Magic Online. That's me. Not You, you don't have to yeah. agree with me. That's fine. It's just... <clears throat> Ugh. It's uh, Sorry. yeah. I'm I'm not the. I used to love Hearthstone. It's been pretty gross for a little bit now. Like just not great. And plus Blizzard, you know. <laughs> I actually honestly haven't played Hearthstone in a while, but yeah, I stopped playing when they did their whole thing where they banned and kicked out like twelve people who supported the Chinese resistance. Yeah. Oh, for for Hong, Hong Kong, Kong yeah, and the way that their commu- their company responded to it, I was like, nope. I deleted Warcraft. I deleted Starcraft. I deleted Overwatch, Call of Duty, Hearthstone. Like, I had no games on my computer after that. <laughs> yeah, oh, and Diablo, because I was playing. I was trying to play Necromancer at the time. It was fun. Um, but I'm very happy that they're getting bought by Microsoft. Yeah, I think that's going to make the company so much better. And indubitably, the they only time I've been hyped for a corporate buyout. Yeah. God. Yeah. It's just so yeah. heartbreaking to see like your favorite games developer team get cut in half, right? Like mm. fired, and then like the CEO gets like a thirty million dollar bonus. It's like, ah, oh, come on. And because you know exactly what happens to the game after that. Yeah, it <laughs> just turns into dog shit, you know? I can't think of a single Blizzard game anymore that, like, I think is in a good state right now. Not Overwatch, not Hearthstone, not WoW. Yeah, God. Not, not Heroes of the Storm. <laughs> uh, not, not, not Diablo. Definitely not Diablo Mobile. Uh, yeah. You can't fuck up StarCraft. It, it's already there. Ooh. Um, we might have to end this recording a little bit early. Uh, my computer is smoking. Oh, uh, okay. Well, um, well, people <laughs> out there, don't let your house burn down. Um, and, uh... <laughs> Uh, Jesus Christ, Brian! Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. Listen, eight-year-old Mac, it's it's pushing it. <laughs> yeah, I've got I a should... 2014 Mac as well in my closet that sits there. Um, I feel you. You know, I should have I should have brought my other laptop. Is what I should have. I have a newer PC laptop. I should have brought it, and I was just like, I was just didn't feel like fitting another laptop in my carry-on. Uh, so, All right, yeah, so I'm gonna try and do. I'm gonna try and see if I can initialize the leave command for the channel, um, even though you started it. Um, but you go, be safe, bro. Everybody out there, be safe, be kind, 
and fucking talk to each other before the game and don't be a dick. D bad. Right. <laughs> D bad. Exactly. All right. Yeah. Uh, fuck. Holy shit.